If you would, just remain standing for just a few moments. I'm going to say just a few words. Today with our late brother and Elder Bob Worrell. As many of you know, Elder Bob passed away yesterday with family beside him. I had the um, honor and privilege of knowing this man for many, many years. I don't know, I was probably six or seven when I joined the uh, congregation where he was ordained. He was a man I admired in many ways, many, many ways. He was probably best known for his humility and devotion to the faith, and it's hard to find someone more humbled, more devoted. This week, I've been reading from the book of Matthew in the mornings. In Matthew 5, verse 5, Yahshua said these words. He said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I'm not sure there would be a better fitting verse to describe our late brother, Bob Worrell. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We certainly have hope that we will see him again in the resurrection for the meekness and the humility and the devotion that he showed. I believe we would all agree that Bob was a meek man. He was humbled, he was patient, and he cared for all. He was also down to earth. It's one of the things I admired about Bob, even though he was ordained. He was always down to earth. He would talk to about anyone, including somewhat of a rebellious teenager at the time. I remember him talking uh, to me, and when he came out to California to visit, nothing real meaningful, I guess, but chit-chat. I mean, it was uh, many years' difference between him and I, but I really valued that. In fact, one of the things I sound sounds kind of uh, small in some ways, but uh, one of the things I remember most is uh, Elder Bob is the one who showed me how to tie a tie. And uh, so every time I put a tie on, I can remember our uh, late brother, Elder Bob Worrell. meant a lot. A young guy, I was probably only in my early teens, and obviously could not tie a tie, never tied a tie before, and, and uh, he showed me how to do it. So uh, good memories. Good memories. Lastly, uh, last thing I want to share here is just Bob was an example to me later on in years of what it was to be a minister. I've seen a lot of ministers who I would not describe as meek or humbled per se, and but Bob was always meek. He was always humbled. And I think for me, he showed what a minister is and what we should do as a minister, and, and that is we should serve, we should remain devoted, and we ser- should certainly remain humble to meek. He was a good man, a great man, and one that will be missed. And um, certainly there's appreciate the time that we had with with this man and he was he was a profoundly devoted humbled minister and i have high hopes to see him again in the kingdom let us go go to yahweh in prayer father we come before you and we'd like to begin today by petitioning that you would be with elder bob's family and friends Father, we know that he was a devoted servant of yours, a minister who helped many understand your word and your truth. And we pray that you would him in the life to come. Father, we have great hope to see our brother once more. We thank you for the opportunity 
you gave us to know him, to spend time with him, to learn from him, so that he was an example to so many. We thank you for calling him to minister to so many. Father, we thank you also for all that you've done for those here. We thank you for what you've done with this ministry. We pray that your blessings and that your your spirit would always be here, that it would help us continue on preaching your truth, never compromising, always staying true to your word. Father, we also pray that you'd be with all those, all your people scattered throughout this earth. We know that there are many, that you would help them, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them in these evil and challenging times. We give you all praise, Yahweh. We recognize all good gifts are from you. And we pray now that your your blessings, your favor would be here amongst your people. And we ask this in Yahshua's beloved name. Hallelujah. Y'all may be seated. Here recently, of all places, I found a quote that really hit home for me on LinkedIn. I don't know if you know what LinkedIn is. It's kind of a professional social media site, a little bit like Facebook, but more professionally based. And you generally don't see a lot of um, biblical. Of course, I don't know if this is quite biblical, but it certainly hit home for me. So I want to share it with you. And I was the inspiration behind this uh, message. So the uh, quote here is, Calmness is a human superpower. The ability to not overreact or take things personally keeps your mind clear and your heart at peace. Again, for me, this really hit home. Between having a family, working as an IT manager, working as a minister, serving as a minister, life can be a bit overwhelming. And sometimes I lose that calmness within me. I long for the ability to be able to do as we find here, to embrace this concept of calmness, not to overreact, not to take things personally, to have a clear mind, a clear heart. Think about how great it would be for all of us if we could could maintain a sense of calmness as we find here, regardless or despite of what is happening in life. Now, again, for me, this quote is is, uh, powerful. And it says here that calmness is a human superpower. I don't see this as an exaggeration, not really. You think about how hard it is to remain calm in life, how hard it is not to overreact or take things personally to have a clear mind and a clear heart. It is very, very difficult in this day and age. So for me, describing calmness as a human superpower is not an exaggeration or hyperbole or an overstatement. For a moment, consider again how better life would be if we all mastered this concept of calmness, this ability to not overreact, this ability to not take things personally, this ability to have a clear mind and a clear heart. Think about the blessings that we would all have if we were able to maintain, if we were able to embrace, if we were able to live this concept. I want to share with you a few articles talking about the benefits of calmness or mindfulness. Same thing, really. Calmness, mindfulness, being mindful. 
So the first one here is from uh, thriveglobal.com. It says, you feel more in control of your emotions and life. Makes a lot of sense when we're calm. Increased breathing capacity. You can hear your own thoughts. Sometimes that's the way life is. We're so, so much anxiety, so much depression that we can no longer even hear our own thoughts. Rediscover your creative flow. You have clearer communication. Enjoy better health. I mean, that's certainly the case when we're calm, when we're mindful, when we can maintain a clear heart and a clear mind. I believe it leads to better health. Another reference here, 10benefits.com, it's on calm or calmness. It says it gain control of your life, better focus and clear vision of your goals, boost your creativity, develop intuition and character, strength and leadership qualities, safety from addictions, boost your energy levels, inspires you to enjoy life, slows, slow downs, physical and mental aging process, and spend more time on what is important to you. Because, again, you're not focused on those things that are irrelevant or those things that don't matter, those things that often pull us down. One more article here, Seven Benefits of Mindfulness. This is from Harvard. It says it reduces stress, better focus, improved flow, increased happiness, strong, stronger resilience in the face of life's challenges, and certainly that's not true, better relationships for sure, and better health. Within these articles, we find many of the benefits of remaining calm, of, of, again, being more mindful. Some of the benefits include, again, as we saw throughout these articles, having more control of our emotions and life in general, being more creative, having better communication, better relationships in general, having improved health, being a better leader. I'd even say being a better spouse, being a better parent. Boosting your energy levels, slowing down physical and mental aging, spending more time on what's important, because, again, we're more cognizant of what's important. Having less stress, and, you know, the list can go on from this. There's many, many benefits of calm and being more mindful. So, as a believer, how do we become more mindful How do we become more calm, as we find through this quote? There are several things we can do, and I'm going to review some of them today. Surrendering ourselves to Yahweh is a big one. We're going to talk about that, surrendering ourselves to Yahweh, giving ourselves over to him, giving our anxieties and stress over to him. That's another thing we can do. Scripture says to do that, to give our concern over to Yahweh, to give our worries over to Yahweh. Knowing and having faith in our Father in heaven, that's another big one. Having a trust in him, being in prayer, constant communication, reading the word. That's a tremendous help, reading the word, especially in times when we're going through a challenge. Another big one is humbling ourselves before him, being meek. And lastly here, controlling our anger and other negative emotions. So we're going to focus on all of these, I believe, today. I want to begin today with something Paul says in Philippians 4, beginning in in verse 4. Here's what he says here. Rejoice in Yahweh always, and I say, again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The master is at hand. And that's something we need to really always be mindful of. The master is at hand. 
Yahshua is much closer than he was 2,000 years ago. I don't know how close Yahshua's coming is, but my inclination is, based on what we find and what we see in this world, it's not too far off. And I believe that we need to be mindful of that. We need to be cognizant of that. He goes on to say, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto Elohim. And the peace of Yahweh, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds, notice that, your hearts and minds, through Messiah Yahshua. So Paul begins here by talking about what? He begins here by talking about rejoicing. He says here that we should rejoice in Yahweh. Like so many other important lessons we find from the word, even though this sounds simple. I can assure you rejoicing is not always as simple. Because as believers, we should always be in a state that is willing and able to rejoice in our Father in heaven. And that's not always easy to do. I believe one of the outcomes of rejoicing is developing developing a sense of appreciation of life and the blessings that we have through him, through our Father in heaven. When we rejoice, when we see the value of life and, again, the blessings that we have, inevitably, I believe this appreciation for the one we worship helps us to achieve a state of mindfulness, calmness. What else do we see here? Paul speaks also about doing everything in prayer. I believe that prayer is one of the most underused, undervalued activities for the vast majority, including some believers. I believe we all, most of us anyway, could probably do a better job with prayer. When we find ourselves overwhelmed or in a position of stress, we should always remember prayer. Going to Yahweh is amazing the change that can occur when we simply go to Yahweh in prayer, asking him to help with sincerity. It's amazing the change and the impact prayer can make. Paul goes on here speaking about thanksgiving. I just spoke about being thankful, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but again, being thankful, as we know, can remove stress, brings shalom and peace. In fact, Paul says here, He speaks about the peace of Yahweh, which passes all understanding. Now, consider that for just, I've I've thought about that many times over the years, a peace that passes all understanding. And maybe, again, it's because of my position, because I I have quite a bit on me. You know, between family and I manage a team of 24 at work and, and of course, the ministry and, and, um, so it's not always easy. It's not always easy. So I've, I've really, I guess, personally considered the peace of Yahweh, which passes all understanding. That's a wonderful thing. The peace of Yahweh, which passes all understanding. I, I, I wish I understood that more. I believe that that would be a tremendous blessing. Think about for a moment how this peace would benefit our state of mind how this peace would benefit our perspective and view on life. Paul closes here by saying that this peace will keep our minds and our hearts through Yahshua. 
But again, as we saw from the quote, quote, calmness keeps our minds clear and our hearts at peace. It's very similar to what we find here in Philippians. When we go to Yahweh in prayer, when we, when we understand this concept of rejoicing, when we realize that he's the one who supports us, we can perceive and we can achieve and we can attain a mind that is clear in our heart that is at peace. I want to share with you one of my favorite verses in the New Testament. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. I had this below my signature or my email for a long or I still do. It says, For Elohim hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We see here that Yahweh has blessed us. As believers, it says that he's given us a spirit of not to fear, but of power. And also it says of a sound mind. Such an important concept, a sound mind. A mind that is directed, a mind that is controlled, I believe, by the word of Yahweh. Let's talk about what it means to live in fear. There are many people who seem to live in a state of fear, and believers are not not exempt. I know some people, they believe, and they've believed for 20, 30 years that the world's going to end. And everything they do in this world revolves around the threat of the world ending. Some of the other reasons, though, might include relationships, jobs, or even the state of this world. And I recognize, as I believe we all do, that there's many, many reasons to be concerned today. You look at the morality in this nation, and it's it's just awful. You look at the state of our economy, and it would be, there's many reasons to allow fear to set in. But as believers, we need to realize that Yahweh's not given us a spirit of fear. We need to realize that no matter what is happening in our life, that we should never fear. We worship an Elohim that is in control. We worship an Elohim that is greater than this universe. We worship an Elohim that is greater than all our issues combined. You know, right before Joshua was, we lead Israel into the promised land, Yahweh told him to be strong and of good courage. You see, Yahweh knew the challenges that Joshua would face. He knew the challenges that Israel would, over, would, would undergo trying to conquer the promised land. Even though sometimes we forget, we need to remember who we serve. And we need to remember not only the power that he has, but the power that we have through him. I believe that we have the same potential when we realize who we serve as Israel did when they conquered the promised land. You see, Yahweh is still very real. He's still very active. I know sometimes we see Yahweh very removed, but I believe that Yahweh is still very real. Yahweh is here. Yahweh is active. Yahweh can do some amazing things. And we need to remember that through him, we should never have a spirit of fear because I believe that fear removes that calmness. Fear removes that shalom. And again, I believe as believers, we should realize that there is power through the one we worship. Joshua said that with the faith of just a mustard seed, 
that we could move mountains. Now, I don't know if he was speaking spiritually or metaphorically or, or, or physically. But we can do some amazing things. And I think that's the point. We can do some amazing things when we have just a little bit of faith. There's power through, by the, through the one we worship. There really is. And when we embrace this, we have no reason to fear. And again, I believe that this fear leads to a lack of calmness and removes or steals our shalom. Now, we see in 1 Peter 5 or 6 that we're to give our concerns over to Yahweh. I don't know if you, how many of you uh, remember Brother Harold. I really, really admired, of course, he's still around, still around. He may be even watching, I don't know. But he's not able to travel as much now. But I really enjoyed Brother Harold, and I know he had a special place for this verse. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of Elohim, that he may exalt you in due time. Listen, it says, Casting all our care, all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Paul begins here, or Peter begins here, by saying that we are to humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. You know, if we will ever achieve a state of calmness or mindfulness, I believe that humility is, is essential. Why is this? Or reaching a state of mindfulness, reaching a state of calmness, requires that we surrender who we are to Yahweh. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? What does it mean to humble ourselves or to surrender ourselves to Yahweh? Or this means that we recognize that our lives belong to him and not to us. So many people out there, they believe that their lives belong to them and that they're masters over their own bodies and over their own lives. They answer to no one. As believers, it's important to realize that we do answer to somebody. Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20 said this. He says, For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify Elohim in your body and in your spirit, which are Yahweh's. As we see in the word, we were, it says, bought with a price. And that price was the shed blood of Yahshua the Messiah. And for this reason, we belong to Yahweh. We need to realize this. We need to realize this. We need to surrender our lives and who we are and what we are to his will. Peter also says here, he goes on to say that we're to cast all our cares upon him, for he cares for us. I want to read this from the Amplified Bible. I generally don't refer to this Bible because it's, uh, oh, I don't know, it, it has its benefits. But here's one of its benefits. So it says, casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares about you with deep affection and watches over you very carefully. Obviously, the Amplified Bible embellishes from what we find within the Greek, but I believe this in this case, it conveys the depth of what Peter is expressing. What does it mean to cast our cares upon Yahweh? Here's what Barnes' note says. It says, the meaning is that we are to commit our whole cause to him if we suffer heavy trials, if we lose our friends, health, or property, if we have artists or responsible duties to perform, if we feel that we have no strength and are 
in danger of being, coming, being crushed, but what is laid upon us, we may go and cast all upon Yahweh. That is, we may look to him for grace and strength and feel assured that he will enable us to sustain all that is laid upon us. The relief and the case will be as real as, and as full of consolation as if he took the burden and bore it himself. I thought that was a good explanation. Based on what he says here, casting our cares upon Yahweh is trusting and realizing that he is able to sustain us no matter what the situation might be. Now, how many of us give our concerns over to Yahweh, give all our concerns over to Yahweh? How many of us give our worries over to Yahweh? How many of us have faith and trust in him to know that he's able to see us through, no matter what challenges we, we might suffer in this life? I believe all of us, to some degree, struggle with giving our worries and concerns over to Yahweh. Instead of giving our cares over to him, and realizing that he is the one who sustains us, we, we keep it within ourselves. And what happens in those moments where I believe that that builds worry, that builds anxiety, that builds and it can lead to uh, depression. So the question is, do we have faith and trust, enough faith and trust to give him our concerns, to give him our worries, to give him our anxieties. Brother Harold was a big believer in this, that we need to simply verbally give it over to him, recognizing that we cannot sustain, we cannot overcome alone, that we need his support, that we need his help. Do we have the faith? Do we have the trust to give our cares, or do we hold on to those cares? leading to worry, leading to anxiety, leading to stress, when we have a Father who is able to sustain us. In closing, Peter explains how all of this is possible. He simply says this. He says, he cares for us. Think about what Peter is saying here. He's saying that Yahweh cares so deeply for us that he's willing to take our burdens upon himself, relieving us of that anxiety, relieving us of that worry, of that concern. But for this to happen, again, we must have faith. We must have trust in him. We must realize that our Father in heaven, that Almighty Yahweh, that he is able, that he is capable of sustaining us no matter what trial or tribulation we might be going through in this life. We can do all things through him. But again, for this to happen, we must believe this. We must believe that we can do all things through him. We must believe that he can sustain us. We must believe that if we give him our worries and our concerns, that he is willing and able to see us through. Do we believe that? So much of mindfulness, so much of, of calmness is having faith and trust in the one we worship. I know it's really easy to say, are you, do we believe in him and, and do we trust in him? But do we really trust in him? Do we really believe in him? It's a very simple concept, but not always easy 
to do. The next time we feel overwhelmed, I would encourage you to go to Yahweh in prayer. Verbally give whatever it is bothering you, the, the, the worry, the care, the concern, the tribulation. Give it over to him. Ask that he help you with it. Ask that he would sustain you through it. I believe that he can do that. It says here within his word that he can sustain us, that he can help us. And the reason is, is he cares for us. And anybody who's a father or mother, you understand this concept. Because as a parent, you will do anything to see your kids succeed. You will take whatever burden they face and you will place it upon yourself. The one we worship, our Father in heaven, he wants to do the same thing. He wants to take that burden and he wants to carry that for us. Because as we love our children, Yahweh loves his children. So we just need to realize that we have a Father in heaven that is able to do some amazing things. That there is nothing beyond his ability. That he can sustain whatever situation, whatever care whatever concern we're facing that he can lead us through that but we must have faith and trust in him that he can do such a thing i want to read yashua something yashua said in matthew 11 we're all familiar with this matthew 11 20 through 30 it says come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you learn of me for i am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yahshua begins here by saying, Come unto me. Come unto me. All you who are concerned, all you who are suffering from anxiety, all you who are struggling with some tribulation, some trial, come unto me, and I will give you rest. We find rest through our Savior. As we are told to cast our cares upon Yahweh, we see here that we can rely in, in Yahshua the Messiah, that he can get rest from our problems we're facing through him. And we also see here that it says Yahshua is meek and lowly in heart. Meek and lowly, we've talked about that. So how do we find rest through him? How do we find rest through him? We've talked about Yahweh and we've talked about casting our cares upon him, going to Yahweh and simply giving him our Worries. How do we do this with our Savior? It says here that we must take his yoke upon us and learn of him. What does it mean, take his yoke upon us? Or Barnes' note says, quote, this is a figure taken from the use of oxen and hence signifying to labor for one or in the service of anyone. When Yahshua mentions the yoke, he's referring to the service, to the ministry that we must pursue of him. This is, again, why he uses the word yoke. It refers to serving him, to following him, striving to be like him. We must also, as we see here, learn of him. The Bible says that we're to follow in his examples. Do as he did. Live as he lived. Over the years, I've heard many people say, if you want to know how to do something, you look at what Joshua did. And for the most part, I, I fully, fully embrace this. Now, sometimes we maybe can't find an exact example. But we can learn so much from Yahshua, what he did, how he lived, what was important, what he pursued, what he did not pursue. I consider that sometimes in the decisions I make. What do we see Yahshua doing? What did, how did Yahshua deal with this issue? 
We need to go and we need to learn who Yahshua is. Whether it's living a life of obedience, living a life of humility, living a life of virtue. We can learn so much from our Savior. Understanding who he was will bring us, shalom will bring us a calmness. Think about the examples where the Jews were trying to attest and trying to get a rise from Yahshua. All the different examples of endurance that Yahshua went through. Even during his horrific trial, did he not respond in hate? How would we have responded in Yahshua's situation? If, we're, if we were being horrifically beaten, if we were being spit upon, spit upon and if we were being slapped and mentally abused, would we have the ability to remain silent as Yahshua did? The examples that he showed were incredible. And I believe that if we would follow them, that we would have a clear mind and a clear heart. And I believe that's how we find calmness. That's how we find rest through our Savior. We understand who he was. We understand the examples that he lived. And if we live and if we follow and if we pursue those examples, I believe that we will find rest through our Savior. We've talked about trust, the importance of trust. I want to read Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26, 3 through 4, is based on the NIV. It says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in Yahweh forever, for Yahweh himself is a rock eternal. You know, as believers, how do we achieve perfect peace as we find here within this passage. How do we do it? We find here that our minds must be steadfast in the one we worship. What is the meaning of steadfast? Well, this word comes from the Hebrew samak. It's a primitive root meaning to lean upon. Josenius says, quote, this place to place or lay something upon anything so that it may rest upon and be be supported by it. We must be willing to lean or surrender our minds, I believe, to Yahweh, so that he is able to support us. Now, we do this how? How do we do this? Or we do this, I believe, by again trusting and having faith in him. I know for many people, having faith in Yahweh sounds, again, very simple. It sounds very simple, but... I believe having faith is anything but simple. Again, remember that Yahshua said if we had the faith of just a mustard seed, we could move a mountain. How many of us can move mountains? And Yahshua said that that only required the faith of a mustard seed. Faith is complicated. Faith is hard. But as believers, we must pursue faith. We must pursue trust. We must pursue this concept of relying and understanding that Yahweh is in control and that we must rely on him. Now, how does this lead to mindfulness? How does this lead to a calmness for you and I? I know for many people, again, they struggle with this, but we 
do this by first acknowledging, acknowledging who Yahweh is and the power that he has. I believe that's where faith begins. Faith begins by acknowledging that Yahweh is and that Yahweh is able to do what he says he can do. That's what faith is. It begins with having faith. It begins with acknowledging him and the power that he has. It is also letting go of our own insistence to always resolve our own problems. I'm bad with this. I'm gonna, I, I always, my first inclination is to how do I resolve this issue? How do I fix this problem? What are the solutions? What are the impacts of those solutions? Like a good project manager, I'm always looking at all the options and the outcomes. But I believe part of faith is our ability to let go. Our insistence of not always resolving that problem. And lastly, allowing Yahweh to work within us. I really believe that this is how we have faith that leads to calmness. When we trust in him in this way, we will have peace and shalom. Isaiah closes here by describing Yahweh as our rock eternal. What he's saying is simply this. Yahweh is and always will be our support. We need to remember this. We need to remember, we always need to be cognizant that Yahweh is our support. When we forget this, when we forget that we have Yahweh, when we forget that we have the most powerful being in this universe by our side, willing to help us, willing to get beyond whatever trial we're going through, we lose that calmness, that mindfulness, that shalom, that peace. So again, we need to remember that Yahweh is our rock eternal, that Yahweh is our support. He is our support, he will be our support, and he will always be our support. Proverbs 3 verse 5, we again find a passage speaking about trust and acknowledging him. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8, it says, Trust in Yahweh with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Listen, it says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear Yahweh. Depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. See here, the word of trust in Yahweh says with all our hearts. What does that mean, with all our hearts? The word heart in Hebrew comes from lave. And according to the Brown Driver Briggs, lave refers to the inner man, mind, will, and heart. It's a very broad term. This means that we must trust Yahweh with our entire man, with our entire person, with our mind, with our will, with our heart, with everything we are, with everything we have, that we are to rely, that we are to have faith, and again, trust in the one we worship. Think about the calmness or peace we would have if we always trusted in Yahweh as we find here. If we always had faith as we find here. This is why I believe trust or faith in Yahweh is a must-have if we will ever achieve a state of calmness, a state of mindfulness. We have to trust. We have to have faith. Now, I know this may sound a bit philosophical, but I believe there's something to this message. I really do. I believe it's so important that we consider this concept of 
mindfulness, this con- concept of, of calmness, this concept of shalom and peace. So many of our problems in this life is a result of a lack of calmness or a lack of shalom or a lack of mindfulness. If we can adapt, if we can embrace this concept of calmness, mindfulness, through faith, I believe that we will be blessed in so many, so many ways. It goes on to say here that we must acknowledge him in all our ways. For me, this goes back to this concept of surrendering ourselves to Yahweh, realizing that we belong to him, realizing that we were bought with a price, and that price, again, being the shed blood of our Savior. In everything we do, we should acknowledge and surrender ourselves to him, realizing that our lives and our very existence belong to him. So much of mindfulness or calmness is understanding and being cognizant of Yahweh's power of his faith and the blessings we have through him. When we do this, it says here that he will direct our paths. And we also see here it says that we should not be wise in our own eyes. This can be understood in different ways, but for today's message, I believe it shows a need of letting go again. Letting go of our own ways. Letting go of always wanting to find the solution. Wanting to find the root cause. Now, I'm not saying do nothing, but what I'm saying is we need to go to Yahweh more often in prayer. We need to wait on Yahweh sometimes. And we need to realize that sometimes we don't have the answer, but he does. He always has the answer. When we do this, we must trust and acknowledge Yahweh without being wise in our own eyes. We find, I believe, where where it leads is, again, a, a, a greater sense of calmness, a greater sense of shalom, a clearer mind and a clearer heart. I want to talk now about controlling our negative emotions. Here's what James says in James 1, 19 through 20. He says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man works not the righteousness of Elohim. James here begins by saying that we are to be swift or quick to hear and slow to speak. How many of us do that? I'm sure we all have this mastered, slow to Slow to speak and quick to hear, as we find here in the reverse. There are many benefits in being quick to listen, slow to respond. For one, I believe it shows consideration. It shows character for the other person. It shows that you desire to understand the other person and the value of their words, of their message. How many of us, as we're listening to somebody, we're thinking about our response there's something called active listening and, and passive listening. It's more of a management thing. But, but active listening is where we're actively listening. We're not thinking about our response or we're not thinking about something else. We're thinking about what that person is communicating to us. We are, again, as we see here, we are quick to hear. And maybe even more than just quick, we are careful to hear. We are attentive to hear. It's an important quality. It's an important leadership quality. Being slow to respond also shows a sense of maturity, I believe. 
that were mature enough to realize, again, the benefits that they are communicating to us. Now, we also see an admonition about being slow to wrath. Slow to wrath. The Bible says a lot of things about anger and the detriments of anger. It says here that the wrath of man works not the righteousness of Yahweh. You see, anger is not reflective and is not something Yahweh finds pleasing. Now, whether it's anger or some other negative emotion, I believe this serves as a barrier between us and our Father in heaven with achieving a state of calmness, a mindful or mindfulness, achieving a heart that is, that is at peace, a mind that is at peace. As believers, we must learn how to control our negative emotions, not to overreact in that moment of stress, of shock, whatever it is. Doing this takes humility, persistence, temperance, and a willingness, again, to surrender ourselves to Yahweh. You know, as we, read, as we already read in Peter, we're to cast our cares upon Yahweh, for it says, again, he cares for us. We also know that we're to have faith and trust in him. Achieving a state of mindfulness or calmness is not an easy task. I do, but do believe, though, it is doable. I believe it's achievable. But it requires an incredible level of dedication. It requires faith. It requires trust. It requires letting go. And that's hard for many of us. This doesn't happen overnight, by the way. I believe, in, I believe achieving a state of calmness, of mindfulness, is more of a journey. and happens gradually and takes time. But as I've said in the past, the journey is worth the destination. I, I believe that. As believers, we should always be striving to be better than who we are today. To improve our character to ask how can I be more like my savior how can I better reflect Yahshua what can I do within my life as my example again the journey is worth the destination I pray those here and those watching that we would all desire a state of calmness a state of mindfulness that we would all desire the ability of not overreacting, the ability of not taking things personally, the ability of having a clear mind and a clear heart. For me, this really hit home, this concept of a clear mind, a clear heart. It's worth the effort, I believe. There are many benefits, as we've seen, with being mindful. This offers not only a benefit in this life, but more importantly, in the life to come. Now, speaking about life, there's one more thing I want to share today and, and uh, another reason to remain calm, another reason to be mindful. As we see from the book of Ecclesiastes, one of my favorite books, by the way, Solomon describes this life. He says, vanity is vanities. He also describes life as a chasing after wind. Before we know it, this life is over. This life goes by very quickly. Life is too short to allow petty things to take away our sense of calmness, to strip away our peace and shalom. So I would encourage everyone to be mindful of this, to be cognizant of this, to realize that really in the scheme of things, life is pretty short. So let us not spend our days focused on what we can't control, focused on worries, focused on tribulations, focused on those things that we can't do anything about. Let us give those things over to Yahweh, knowing that he cares for us, knowing that he's able to endure. 
Let us remember that we serve a mighty one that is greater than any other trouble or any other issue we have in this life. Let us remember that we can do all things through the one we worship. Or I would encourage all those here, those listening, to really consider again what I've shared today. To pursue a sense of calmness, a clear mind and a clear heart. Always keeping the faith, always relying and trusting in Yahweh. Because again, I believe that this will bring us to a much better place. And there's so many benefits for us now and more important in the life to come.